So let's switch gears for a minute and talk about your college, right? So uh -huh. the yeah. College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences is a new college. I yeah. think y'all are approaching your one-year yes. yeah. anniversary. Mm -hmm. um, and it was actually formed from the merger of two smaller colleges. And yeah. so you're this inaugural dean for this yeah. new college, which that's exciting. Uh, can you talk about like, what are some of the affordances or the benefits that you see coming from this merger and, and how might right. your graduate programs or your graduate students benefit from some of this? Well, those? I mean, it's just, one of the things that, one of the things that I think is um, that, I, that I remind the faculty and, and also that I think the students is that um, uh, the opportunities at the graduate level in College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences are really one of the reasons why I thought, you know, that the kind of formation of the new college was especially good. Um, but uh, to go to go back to like what are the sort of the general advantages of it mm -hmm. is that you know I think that what it reminds us. And one way, I mean, without sort of going into too great detail about this, it reminds us that, you know, our organizations are largely, I don't want to say arbitrary, but that's in some way, it comes to <laughs> my You can say picture. arbitrary. I'll say arbitrary. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, MTSU had a College of Liberal Arts, I think, didn't it? Or was it? I think so when I was there, yeah. I think it was a College of Liberal Arts, right. Um, yeah. Because um, I, I applied. Yeah, and it was separate from like, some campuses will have the College of Arts and Sciences. Sciences. We and had some, that at West Georgia. But at MTSU, we had basic and applied sciences, which right. was one college. And then I think liberal arts was a separate college. But and a liberal arts college can be kind of exactly what the College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences is. It might have performing arts in it, like music mm -hmm. and creative arts, like art and um, dance and things like that. So it's not that uncommon to see a unit like this. Um, and it reminds us too that, um, that what these units sort of provide more than anything is an opportunity to really consider um, the strengths of individual disciplines, but the value of disciplines brought together, mm -hmm. either by circumstance or by um, uh, by design. And I think what we have here is a kind of a new college formed by circumstance, but that has the opportunity to design a kind of way forward that sees the, the connection between arts, humanities, and social sciences. A very simple thing to look at here is like something like as simple as a piece of music performed, um, you know, uh, by a great artist and how one can sort of recognize that um, there's a kind of, uh, there's a kind of aesthetic beauty to it, but so that's the kind of performance arts of it, mm -hmm. creative arts. But that, that big, but that any work of art performed in a certain period, a certain time, a certain historical context, I mean, there is meaning to that. And that's where the humanities comes in, sort of mm -hmm. determine what that meaning is and how that meaning is created. And the social sciences provide a greater kind of quantitative 
um, understanding of what that sort of social moment is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think about you know, political science and social science or sociology, criminology, and anthropology. I mean, these are just along with English history, um, uh, lang the languages that we have, philosophy and religion. Um, yeah, and then the create the creative and performance um, uh, arts. I mean, these things are really so interlocked, and yet we sometimes, because of just the way of sort of specificity and understanding disciplines, we want to kind of like keep them um, sort of tidally separated. But and 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 one of the things that I would that I bring I keep bringing up is that ours is a century of uh, hybridity, okay. things coming together. Mm -hmm innovation bringing things together rather than taking things apart yeah. um interdisciplinarity is a kind of special and important thing that we can really sort of fashion going on in this college and you know i mean i'm and in, in that way i mean i think i'm kind of the person to be in charge because i am a hybrid i'm a mm -hmm. hybrid in many ways um a, a, a writer academic you know that sort of thing and um uh, I would hope that in general, one of our one of our steps forward is to is looking for where we can find kind of um, uh, not necessarily new programs. I think it's too it's really way too new to uh, fresh to think about new programs. I mean, mm -hmm. there's still there are people who are still just getting used to. I mean, one of the th one of the things I I mean, you know, as, as you know well, Dean Barlow, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people think that the, the position we occupy, we can just sort of like offer these sort of um, uh, edicts and everybody will mm -hmm. act right. right. One, of the things I would, one of the things I would love to do is to get people to stop saying the old CLA mm -hmm. and the old CFAC because I know that those things are there and I, I know that uh, you know they'll never really go away but really I mean the categories that we need to think about are humanities or arts, humanities, and social sciences, and mm -hmm. where you where you belong in that. I mean, it's funny because like the social sciences used to sort of chafe at the label College of Liberal Arts because they mm -hmm. weren't really in. I mean, right. say that, and I mean, because there's pl there's plenty of colleges where uh, political science is over in a in a different different college altogether. Sociology, right. criminology, anthropology too. So it's. It, it, it's altogether interesting. And to come back to the graduate graduate school stuff, um, you know, I would I would really hope that one of the products of this is that, because um, you because know, we because we have some really, I mean, I mean, I will I will say I'm I am thoroughly impressed by the um, uh, the productivity of um, uh, the MFA programs mm -hmm. uh, in film, theater, and creative yeah. writing, mm -hmm. film and creative writing, and so the other programs we need to learn what is it about these programs that have brought in so many students? And you might say, well, it's their novelty. I mean, they're relatively mm -hmm. new and things, and but I think there's more to it. And but I think that another thing is that you know there's there is certainly going to be a way to maybe have more. I, I mean. You know, you know, one of one of the things that is just a kind of we have we have an extraordinary faculty here. 
college mm -hmm. the college of arts and social sciences faculty i mean the uch faculty is extraordinary to me i mean this is this is our, my this is my third stop as an administrator my fifth stop as a as an employee of a university as a tenure mm -hmm. tenure seeking faculty member and i've just never seen a consistently excellent faculty like this both in teaching and scholarship um, and creative activity. So I, I give that mm -hmm. shout out to the faculty, you know, regularly. But, you know, some of, I mean, among among that, we've got some even ex sort of extraordinary faculty. And I would think that if I were writing, if I were creative writing students and I were writing a historical novel, I might want to have David Welke on my um, uh, my um, uh, committee. Mm -hmm. um, because even though Dr. Welke is a, is a historian, um, mm -hmm. he, he, he understands a lot about narrative. He understands about, you know, the importance of, you know, I mean, obviously the kind of, uh, uh, um, the veracity of the historical background. Um, I think, you know, film too, there's a lot of places, there's a lot of places where that we could foresee some kind of interaction between faculty and students from different departments. And I think that we can see overall growth in in these. And I don't, and again, not pushing a kind of interdisciplinarity, but just sort of utilizing. Um, uh, well, it's a lending of expertise. Yeah. Right? That exactly. is to the benefit of the students. Oh, the graduate absolutely. students. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I think that um, one of the things that's really interesting to me is that uh, how Stephanie Vanderslice has really sort of understood the importance of of pedagogy. Um, mm -hmm in teaching creative writing because, you know, I, I mean, I can, I can offer exactly that, you know, when I was a graduate student, I mean, I actually had great, great teachers, but it was, but to talk, to talk about their methods as, as pedagogical was, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, you know, my, my principal mentor at Ohio State, you know, Lee Abbott used to say things to me like, like, don't do that, bud. <laughs> so, okay, you know, um, uh, that's hardly, you know, something you know, that, that you would take on as, as an instructor yourself. I mean, so it was, it's interesting because the history of creative writing instruction in the United States, and really it is only in the, in the United States, mm -hmm. part of the academy, is only, I mean, I think it goes back to the 30s, the 1930s. Where that was like the first time you know somebody could take a course called creative writing and get college credit for it. Mm -hmm. um, and when you think about you know say I don't know maybe the, maybe math math might have a longer history. Math <laughs> is long. Math ed is my field of math ed is not that old, but yeah. math is very old. Yeah, yeah. somebody would hear the '30s and think that's old, but that's, that's not old. compared that to many disciplines. It isn't at all. But Dr. Vanderslice has really sort of taken that very, I mean, she's, she's an internationally renowned expert in creative writing pedagogy. And our mm -hmm. students have, I mean, they, they, are, they are getting kind of a preparation to enter the job market that others still aren't getting because there's still a lot of, um, uh, um, well, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done to kind of figure, figure this out because it is, I mean, it is, a, it is a difficult, it is both a wonderful and difficult subject to teach as most are. But in, 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 in principle, because people think that, you know, I mean, you know, a not good novel when you see it, there's no kind of way to produce mm -hmm. that. But actually, you know, there is a way to teach students how to be better, how to be better writers, 
not just the mechanical level, but in the mm-hmm. kind of imaginative and creative way. So, and she's doing a great job. And, and music has so much going on in it too. It's just, it, it, it just, bo- it just boggles the mind sometimes. I mean, when I started as the Dean of Liberal Arts, I mean, we had we had three programs, English, history, graduate programs, English, mm-hmm. history, and um, uh, Spanish. Right. And um, now to kind of to double and triple that with film, creative writing, and and uh, the music, music, I think, uh, music ed, and um, other programs. It just it just makes me think that you know, but one, and I'll, and you know, one thing I'll, one thing I'll be really frank about. There was probably a time at UCA and any institution of its kind of mm-hmm. mission size, scope, that a lot of faculty would have thought, you know, like if I've got a really promising student mm-hmm. and she wants to go to graduate school, I want her to go elsewhere. That's just, mm-hmm. you know, that's the nature of how, you know, how we kind of operate as that as academic. bigger and better. Got to move on right. to bigger and better. Yeah. Right. But I, I don't think we're, I think we're, I think we've changed. I think there's such a kind of level of, um, uh, of um, uh, excellence in terms of um, uh, faculty and curriculum that, I mean, I, I see there's a lot of reason to get students to stay here. Um, mm-hmm. And that's gonna be, I think that, you know, when we get that sort of shift and there's a lot more faculty who, who share that kind of, share that sort of thought, and I think that that will help growth. But I think, you know, the other thing is that, uh, and I think that, uh, we need to, I think this is under your leadership, Dean Barlow, one of the things that um, is really promising for graduate study at UCA mm-hmm. at large is, you know, we have to think about what is changing in, I hate these sort of market, but the mar- market of graduate school, that it is not just students getting out of undergraduate, but it is professional mm-hmm. trying to see yes. a little bit more mm-hmm. about how to be responsive to that audience. And, and that's where I think maybe five, six years down the line, we might have maybe an interdisciplinary, more professionally based right. program. Because I, kn- I know from experience, when I was at Moorhead State, um, uh, Moorhead was one of the first state schools to offer an MA in English that could be completed entirely online. Mm-hmm. And at one point in time, we had 80 actively enrolled students. Wow. That's, that's a big, that's a that's big, a big program. program. Faculty, mm-hmm. Yeah, grad faculty. It was not, you know, I mean, it was not like uh, where we had like you know, 20 people. I mean, we had right. 12, 15 faculty members also who also taught, you know. All the undergraduates uh, too. <laughs> yeah. Undergraduate students as well. But not only do we have 80 enrolled, but we had like, 120 on wait list wow you know so there was this huge demand and this was this was like oh this would have been like 12 13 2012 but y'all were leading the way and we're leading the way learning yeah right and there were uh, people started to come in uh, new new institutions started to come in and uh change that and um uh, offer offer the same similar kind of programs And, and so the numbers went down but uh, you know, but that's the way it is. I mean, there's always these these audiences here, and it's it's I mean, you you know fully well that it is you know professionals looking to kind of uh, help themselves out. You know, as, as mm-hmm. teachers typically, 
but it's also and there's there's very strange audiences, but interesting ones like spouses of uh, you know, military spouses. Mm-hmm. Now that you, you're not going to you're not going to make a full graduate program just on appealing to military spouses. Right. But that's a group of people that you know typically very well, typically educated, and typically you know wanting to find something else to do. They want to do it. They can do it online. Mm-hmm. And you know when you think about this, I was I was talking with somebody about this because. The first online class that I designed as an instructor was in 1999, and I did this at UW Green Bay. It was for a um, uh, it was for um, uh, nursing nursing students students uh, nurses who had RNs but wanted to get the, wanted to get a bachelor's. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a, you know I mean of course they can't take you know classes uh, uh, in in you know in person classes because right. the shifts are changing all the time, mm-hmm. but. I had, I had, I think, four students in that class, and I worked so much <laughs> in that class. <laughs> it was back then, you know, it was, it was web, web CT. I think, web CT. Uh, <laughs> uh, working with, and it was, it was, it was four, it was four, four course correspondence courses. You know, mm-hmm. I had all the discussion boards, I had all the lecture notes, but it was, you know, getting an email that the student wrote at like 2 a.m you know saying like you know well we and it was an intro to literature course and it was just you know i'd write back to them and i didn't i mean i didn't know this is this is the one lesson here's the one practical thing i'll say today if you're teaching an online class you're teaching an online class and you get it and you get an email from a student always your reply should not just be to that student your reply should be to all the students all people. students they mm-hmm. all have that same you can guess they all have that same problem and you can save yourself a lot of a lot of emails by replying by saying like i'm going to actually reply to everybody about this yeah. um <clears throat> and i can remember thinking like you know how is it ever going to not be like individual correspondence courses mm-hmm. for each of these students and i think the evolution of the technology has made it such that you we can we can grow uh, or we can um, uh, teach these courses in a way that's not like the correspondence courses. And the big thing that I see, especially in Blackboard, is that it's the way it creates it can create community. And you know that's the thing I really appreciated, Dean Barlow, about what you've been doing, is that my best memories about graduate school, you know, they're not classes. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, they're not classes. They're not, you know, um, moments of inspiration. It's, it's like, it's like, and I found this, you know, everywhere I went, it's like that feeling of being among like-minded people mm-hmm. and not having to defend your love for the things that make you happy yeah. intellectually and spiritually and emotionally. I can remember I was I was on a bus ride sometime somewhere in my basketball career my last year I only played three years um, and um, uh, I was reading a book you know for class and some guy asked me like what, what class are you reading that what what class are you reading that book for I said I'm not reading it for a class mm-hmm. and it's like why why are you reading it then I said <laughs> I'm reading it for pleasure and this guy named John Bazo he said he said how many books have you read. And it's like, how many books have I read? He's <laughs> like, yeah, I bet it's over a hundred. And I was like, yeah, easily. And he like turned around and he said, Williams has read over a hundred books. And he said it in this way that was so derisive 
and mm-hmm. so like you're like look at this guy who's like wasting his time and it's like how how is it possible that that people here haven't read uh-huh. you know, 100 books and that's that's like to me that was like i i think that like you know you know you remember the wonder years um mm-hmm. uh, and where yeah. Daniel Stern would always have like, you know, as the voiceover narrator would always come in. That would have been like the moment, like where the voiceover narrator came in. It was like, and it was at that moment, I realized <laughs> I was probably not going to spend a whole lot more time on road trips, uh-huh. basketball games. <laughs> well, Dane Williams, you have, um, you've talked, you've mentioned several things. I want to try to summarize what you said, because I think sure. that this speaks to, like if you were talking to a potential graduate student, some right. of the things that you would share about your programs. And mm-hmm. you've talked about the extraordinary faculty. Right. Um, you've talked about pedagogy. And yeah. so just thinking about the, and you know, how our faculty engage in thinking about instruction and doing, right. you know, they're, they're taking their role as a teacher very mm-hmm. seriously. Right. Um, you've mentioned preparation for the job market, that that yeah. is a part of the conversation as we think about our graduate students and then related to that, the curriculum, that mm-hmm. the curriculums that have been put together for your graduate programs oh, yeah. uh, are oh, stellar. So yeah. I, those, I just wanted to highlight these That's, key ideas yeah. that you've brought out about right. your graduate programs. Right. And, and I, and I think that, and I think the other thing about them is, you know, it's, it's also, I think that everybody's striving to make them more convenient. I think that there's a recognition that, mm-hmm. um, that we have to be kind of aware of that. Um, and, uh, the other, the other thing that I think is really, that really stands out about them as well is, um, integrity might sound like a bit of an overblown term, but, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, everybody takes these programs really seriously. I don't think they look upon them as frivolous at all, or as just, you know, a kind of, um, uh, uh, add on to the undergraduate program. People are really concerned. People, you know, they want to make sure that that the courses offered are are ones that are um, uh, meet student need and uh, um, uh, have have a certain um, uh, um, kind of a capacity to to meet students where they are and um, uh, and provide. I think the kind of um, uh, full range of um, uh, opportunity that, uh, but th- that, you know, you would find it, uh, you would find it bigger programs, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. So. Um, my last question that I have for you today is when you think about um, if you're talking to a student who's currently in one of your graduate programs, right. like what's one piece of advice that you would give to that graduate student? The one piece of advice I would give to the current graduate student mm-hmm. is to um as i is th- i is th- i think to really take advantage of the opportunity for mentorship okay. um you know nobody talked about this in 19 and 1990 when i was when i was getting my phd but i think that you know kind of just innately we seek somebody out mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like to help us um, and sometimes it doesn't necessarily have to be a faculty member. Sometimes it can be a fellow student, a student who's higher up in the um, uh, chain. But mm-hmm. really take advantage of that opportunity for mentorship because, to be honest, I mean, I, I think that that's, again, a quality of our faculty that's, that sets it apart. Yeah. Is that, 
is that the faculty are really kind of eager to provide to provide that uh, mentorship because I think that there's I think that you know they understand that uh, that you know they're the chances are you know they're the product of of a similar kind of mentorship relationship. Mm -hmm. And they want to in this kind of, you know, um, uh, it's a pay it forward pay it mentality, forward to mentality mm -hmm. exactly, to offer that. But also it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I, th I think about this and, it, and it's probably because I think about it in this sort of dumb way that, you know, jocks think about things, but like <laughs> we talk about, you know, we talk about the coaching tree, you know, uh -huh. like, like the coach Saban, you know, he's got this assistant who's now a, mm -hmm. I shouldn't have said Coach Saban. I'm sorry. Yeah, you picked like the worst team for me to have to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't think of anybody as any good. Like Tony, Dun Tony Dungy had produced all these other guys. Uh -huh. I didn't mention producing, except that maybe Bruden was probably pretty good. But anyway, um, but I think about guys. I said young young women and men who um, uh, whom I taught. I have like there's a student. There's a former student of mine. Um, uh, she teaches at. Uh, not SUNY Buffalo, but um, Buffalo, or, or um, uh, she, teaches, she teaches at Buffalo State. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, uh, um, you know, I just, I just think about this. I mean, she was in one of my first classes that I taught. And, you know, then she went on to graduate school. She went to um, a couple of places. And now she's, now she's a, a assistant professor. And, or no, she's an she's a associate professor there. And I think about other people that have gone to graduate school and the things they've done that, that, that I taught and mentored. And it's just like how it really connects us, connects me both forward and backward. Because I think about, you know, like I mentioned this guy, Lee Abbott. And Lee Abbott's, you know, mentors Bill Harrison at, uh, at our University of Arkansas. And their mentors, you know, at University of Iowa. And it just keeps going back. And it's just sort of the continuum, that chain. Mm -hmm. It's such a nice thing to be a part of and to think, you know, how... How information, how um, how things things kind of are always sort of um, evolving, and and to be to be somebody who was well mentored and who mentored people, kind of keeps. I think in this way, you know, you're always sort of able to kind of keep touch with, be rooted in a in a solid and not immutable but always evolving past but be part of like a kind of evolution forward because it's like i think about you know the things that this is the woman i was talking about teaches at buffalo state kim chinke i think about what i taught her and what she's teaching her students and how what they're what they might be teaching others mm -hmm. it's electric in some ways to think yeah. that, you know, that some little thing i said you know in 1998 in the 1900s, yes, yeah. yeah, the 1900s <laughs> might find its way forward to somebody in 2021. 20, so yeah. take advantage of that because they are our faculty are hungry to do it and they're good at it. And you know, there's really there's nothing there's nothing to be lost to. And because I think that you know that's the other thing is to not feel as though you're looking for somebody to tell you what to do. Although sometimes mm -hmm. we do need somebody to tell us what, mm -hmm. but somebody who can sort of recognize what you're, I mean, I like, I like to use this word, what you're essaying, what you're attempting and, and sort of allow a conversation that makes those attempts more likely to find achievement. So, mm -hmm.
Nice. That's your mentor's form. Okay. Well, Dean Williams, I really appreciate your time. Wow. I thank you for spending some time with me today and <laughs> and sharing your insights. Okay. Um, into graduate <laughs> we'll education that. at UCA <laughs> insights. We'll <follow> that. <laughs> I, I should I should say that I should say that you know that Dean Barlow did not use air quotes around insights. I did not. I did not. I said insights like the real word. <laughs> There was sincerity behind that. So good. No, it's, also, always, it's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, and I also want to go ahead. No, and again, I, I, I beyond the measure, I appreciate what you're doing for the graduate graduate school as a whole because it is it is it is with your leadership that we're able to kind of think about you know about doing things differently, um, but not just doing things differently for novelty's sake, but doing things. Yeah, no. Kind of, meet student need and and to, yes. to use this opportunity to become a, a to, to have defined graduate program that grow and um uh, and 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 and, and, pro and prosper yeah i want to also thank our listeners um for tuning into this episode of grad chats with dr b i know that i have enjoyed uh speaking with you dean williams and i'm sure our listeners have enjoyed this conversation i want to be sure to encourage our listeners to subscribe to the podcast so that they can listen to future episodes mm -hmm.